Hi, colleagues. Welcome to episode 20 of We Will Get Through This. I'm Scott Imig, along with my colleague, John Fischetti, and we're really pleased that you've chosen to join us. John, how are you doing today? Scott, doing really well. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I'm in the office, and um, it's the place is, it's not terribly busy, but you can tell it's starting to pick up a little bit. Yeah, we have all of our staff back here over at the faculty, and we've all spread it out so well, but it's the first day that lunch smelled like normal. Mm. Some different smells coming out of the microwave and, you know, so, and people have found a way to still have lunch together, but apart. So it's going, it's going well. We're almost there. And I know from people around the world, it's not even close to that, but we're fortunate to live in a country where there's been some extra ability to keep people apart. And obviously with the big moat around it, a little easier to keep other people out, perhaps. Mm, certainly right. Well, so for today's episode, um, you know, to remind the listeners, this podcast is really about helping school leaders think about the, the COVID era and particularly the post-COVID era. And how do, we, how do we come out of this in a better place with some new thinking and share some of those ideas? And I think for today's um, conversation, I thought we could talk a little bit about something that um, I've always thought that you have a real talent in. And that's this ability to not only lead organizations, but to what we might call lead upwards. Um, and, I, and I wanna talk about this because of the fact that I, I've heard from principals and I think that we know principals who are sitting out there right now, um, as they listen to these ideas and they listen to some of their colleagues talk about what they wanna do, one of the things that they hear that I know is going through their mind is, yes, that's great for them, but how can I make that work in my environment? And, and one of the things that tends to be um, a stumbling block or a roadblock is, is thinking about the people who are above them. You know, how do you bring people along? So what do you think about talking about that today? Sure, it's great. Let's, let's have a great conversation about that. I think in the COVID reality, uh, the worst mistake we could make, particularly if we work for a large bureaucracy, like we do a large university in a large system, or you work in a, in a school in a large school district or for a big bureaucracy called the Department of Education, is that we'll go back and just play all, put all the boxes back that we've been able to change Mm -hmm. uh, like all of a sudden we could do online you know, school from home and uh, we're going to say we're not now or, you know, so do we want to roll the tape back? So this might be a timely time to, to have a conversation about this. Uh, there's a couple of principles and these are not in any order and they're not from any textbook. It's sort of a, the life of hard knocks we all go through in leadership. But I think one of them is if you keep your eye on the prize and I think in a learning institution, we have to keep, that's what we're here for. We're here for great experiences for our learners and Sometimes we get in the middle of meetings with an agenda. We never get to stuff like that. You know, we did a, uh, an example in one of our PhD courses in the program we helped uh, be in together a few years ago, where the assignment was look at the agendas of the local school boards uh, and how much of those agendas are actually focused on teaching and learning. And the answer was not very much because it was all crises or awards or arguments over funding or other such things, uh, but it never really focused on that. So remember why we're here and also to impact our society to make things better. The second, and this is just my view, it doesn't have to be the right answer for anybody, by the way, is I don't believe you can make change if you're not in the room. So your philosophy of change has to be really on the table all the time, because there are some people who like to stay outside the glass house and throw you know, mm -hmm. rocks at it. And there's others who like to go into meetings and blow them up. Yeah. Uh, there's some who would say that they're gonna be the naysayer to anything, whatever's proposed, I'm against it. But I think you can't lead up unless you actually are um, 
able to find that way to, to, to bring to that meeting a sense that you appreciate what the work the leaders are doing, but you also might have a different perspective, but you want to stay in the room to see your result through. Um, so there's some moral purpose, there's some leadership strategies, and maybe there's also a sense of having credibility in representing the constituents who are the people you're in leadership to represent. So I've always thought in every role that I didn't work for the person above me, I worked for the people laterally or below me in the organizational chart. I hate to say below because they're the heart of the, they're the farmers growing the food, right? So, but I, I don't work for the man, I work for you. And I represent you to the man. It's usually a man, sorry, it's typically been not all the time, 100%, but you know, that sort of 70s phrase. So in that sense, I only have the credibility of the people I represent if I also lead by example. So if I go to any teaching and learning meeting and they're talking about a learning management system, I can tell you I've been using the old one because I teach too. If they're talking about supporting students from international, I can tell you I just got off a Zoom with one. Um, I don't think you bring credibility in leading up unless you're still exposed to what the main work is of the organization you're representing. So I think that's also the credibility that people want you in the room because you know what you're talking about. You're not always at the 30,000 foot level. So that's just a starting point. What else would you add to that list? Because you do the same things really well as well. Well, I agree very much with what you said. I, I love the fact that you talk about how you represent. You know, you're, you're not just there. You're, you're not there to respond to folks above. You're actually there to represent the folks that, you know, that in a hierarchy tend to work for you. Um, and that, I think that's hugely important. Um, I love your notion of staying in the room. You, ha you have to be there in order to make a difference. Mm -hmm. And this notion of, you know, keeping your eye on the prize. It's, you know, it's keeping, it's having this vision and then keeping it in the room as we've talked about. You know, it's, it's do you have a compass that kind of guides you 24-7 yep. and not forgetting that. Um, you know, I think those are all really important things. I, I think there's, you know, there are the soft skills of developing relationships that's incredibly important that, um, you know, I think it's, it's, it's spending a lot of time building relationships with people um, because it's amazing uh, how that can help you build you just a little bit of, uh, it buys you some time. It buys you time to get those ideas that you have out in public. And, and that's important. Um, if, if you want to take this and I'd love to think about, so the principal who's sitting out there right now, and principal has this great idea. You know, she, she has this idea for um, flipping, basically flipping the, the school schedule on its head. You know, this notion of we come to school, we sit in 45 minute blocks and we happen to bounce from math to language or to English to, you know, to hizzy to, um, that, that's, that's a convention of the, of the 19th century. You know, let's, let's talk about, you know, so this principle wants to reinvent, rethink the scheduling, the way that we pursue topics, maybe think about interdisciplinary nature of, you know, academics. Um, so for, for that principle, how does she start? She's got the big idea. Well, you know, in the U.S., which is our roots, quite obviously, I know for our listeners, um, the school bus schedule is what drives basically the rest of the agenda of the school district. So if the same school bus has to pick up primary students and secondary students, one of those has to go earlier than later if, if there's not just six kids in the school district. Mm -hmm. And therefore everything else is dependent on what the school bus schedule is. The same can be for the timetable of a school. So the first thing is to not let the timetable drive it. 
that drive our outcomes. There's certain key learning areas, subject areas, for which a little more time each day probably makes sense so that we can go deeper. And there's others where the cognitive load of students, if it goes too much longer, actually gets used up. Uh, an example would be in learning a foreign language. It probably is a 45 minute window that might be, and I'm not saying the best, I don't have that research in front of me. Somebody will tweet me or text me and say I'm a dummy, but that maybe there's, there's a shorter burst of that. And if it's not the right example, you know what I'm saying. And there's others like in reading, writing, listening, and speaking like in English, we're being able to apply that skill or in science where we do a lab, we do a little mini uh, conversation slash information sharing lecture and we then try it out. Then we go to the lab, but it be nice to wrap up in one session. So I think not assuming there's a one size fits all solution that somehow 55 is better than 45 or 90 is better than 30. It's that in different areas, we have different outcomes and we don't want the schedule to drive it. So let's stop and refresh on what do we actually want? And what we want is real learning from our students and sometimes that means we need a little more time. Sometimes we might need a little less. And for different students, we might actually exaggerate their learning difference by holding them too long, or they need enough time to transition that if it's too quick, they never get it. Which puts us in the room of experts, we'll call that our staff or our faculty, to be able to decide that together. Then we have to look around, and this shouldn't be a two-year task force, but there's a lot of those models. Every school thought of this. Where's one that we might borrow, or do we need to design our own? And then do we want to pilot that with a group of willing teachers in a team or in one year level or grade level? So we're not trying to find replace one size fits all unit with another new one that will just have as many side effects in a different way than the one we've had. And to get buy in, you got to have people in the room talking immediately about what they see as the problems. So many schools that have changed their schedules actually took time away from planning for teachers putting more stress on teachers. Others built in every Wednesday is a professional learning day for teachers and they do the related arts or they bring in community activities or that's when they do excursions when we used to be able to leave school. If you remember those days, they're called field trips or something that's not on the docket until 2021, I bet. So in that sense, there's models which might allow you to take those what might be looked at as naysayers, honor their opinion and come back. Uh, I work with a school in Louisville, Kentucky now 25 years ago they worked with a very challenging group of um, kids, not because the kids were challenging their environments. They were virtually all homeless, living on the street or in a shelter, and their needs were so great, the teachers themselves were worn out by the end of the week. So they made Mondays the, the days in which a lot of the services to the kids were provided at school, the health services, social work services, et cetera. And they, they created a four-day week and they compressed some stuff and got legitimately approval for it. So they found the schedule that was right for them. The teachers were absolutely inspired. Um, they were using those Mondays for planning time together as teams. You know, they were on the clock getting paid, but they weren't with the kids because it was such a big effort to plan for a very demanding group of kids in all the right ways. Um, and then they had much more teacher retention, et cetera. So I know that sounds like a non-specific answer, but not be so sure that we're going to turn right and all of a sudden we're there yet. Mm -hmm. uh, put it all on the table, but keep the goal in mind of what our intent is. We really want kids to master concepts, to really learn powerfully, really be excited about learning. And it might have to have a few different iterations. And it can't be too confusing in the end either. So mm -hmm. it has to ultimately come down to a simple revised schedule that is driven by what teachers and the community think is right for learning, not, not because the system won't tolerate moving from a six period day to a 10 one or back and forth.
Well, so what you just did is you, you laid out for me a really thorough, thoughtful process about how are you going to affect that change within a building, okay? And so you and I both know, and our listeners know, that when you make that shift from five days to four days, um, or whatever, whatever the model is that you end up implementing, there's the parent who goes to the director or goes to the superintendent and says, you know, they did just cut out math on Fridays in my, in my child's school. And, or, you know, they're doing a lot less English now than they used to do. And I don't think that's a good idea. Um, so my question for you is you, you now have this really thoughtful idea, this process in place in the school. How do you get the, this director or the superintendent on board? Well, ideally, um, the parent you might have spoken of is part of an organization of parents that was in the room when we were brainstorming the possibilities. Not that we wanted to take two years, but it's going to take more than two months to make a major timetable change. It affects everything about the school, including when rooms are clean. So it's, it's the whole thing's up for grabs. And so they should have already been in the room and the parents should have been advocating for, and we should have been using some data to talk about why we think we need to do this. Um, so in that sense, we can basically have the lobbying effort already sort of done by people in the room. There's technology that can help us with that in large meetings. If it's a big community where you can use your phones or a clicker, old clicker type things to vote in to say we, we have three options and narrow it down and build consensus within an hour on really difficult topics, or at least isolate what the top two are and then go back to investigate those as opposed to have a, a menu of 11 things. So I think part of that, and also if we map everything and it's a translation activity in leading up that's crucial that if there's a strategic plan and there's four goals to make sure what we're doing is aligning those to those four goals. So we're not looking like we're going rogue or AWOL here. We're actually fulfilling that plan. And if there's a key deputy or assistant superintendent or the equivalent, they might be one of the facilitators of the change process early on. So they're in the room as well, thinking through with you the options. So there's no surprises. Uh, chances are nothing has been proposed that hasn't been done elsewhere. So to have your homework done that, you know, this is done at the leading school for the arts over here at the, the STEM school over there, or the, that's how they do it in Finland, that might work all the time, right? <laughs> so if you were trying to take your early childhood center outside in the cold, under mm -hmm. trees, somebody would think you were crazy. Then mm -hmm. you say there's a whole Scandinavian country that does that, maybe people at least give you a chance. <laughs> that's great. Wonderful. Well, John, I, I think, um, you know, I think what, what you're talking about is, is really important because if, if we're going to come out of this and we're actually going to, you know, you, we open this conversation by talking about how things are starting to feel like they're getting back to normal here in terms of at least here on campus. Um, I think there are a lot of people out there who have been, particularly as this, as this self-isolation started and became the norm, they were saying, you know, we're not going back to normal. We're not going back to the way things were. Um, so, you know, what you're talking about are some really good strategies to make sure that the great ideas that we've all been thinking about for the past couple months, the past, you know, six weeks, two months, um, that we don't lose. And th to me, that's incredibly important. I think the other thing is that many of the directors who people report to, whatever they're called above us, they're under a lot of pressure to deliver budget. They're under pressure to deliver like key performance indicators, these KPIs, or they're under pressure to get literacy and numeracy scores up 
you know, and, but they don't really like all of that. So the other is to map whatever we do to at least check it out, put on the table that we're going to watch that stuff. We're not going to ignore it. And my guess is that any of the innovations are certainly not going to make scores go down, <laughs> but mm -hmm. to make sure we're also giving them what they want, which is some indication that we get it, that they're under pressure to show that we're going to deliver results to many conservative school boards and legislators who really want to see that we're not just going silly here and throwing in new ideas that are going to be harmful to the basics. And in doing so, be willing to be held accountable if there are results that don't look promising. Uh, I would say the flip of most of those is what's true. And that is we've been so broken so long that we just hold to the fact that in certain cities in the US, fourth grade students are three years behind in reading. By the year four, they're three years behind. Some of the major cities in the US, meaning those kids in terms of literacy are done from catching up in primary school and therefore gonna start secondary school if they get there already several years behind, meaning that their ability to be successful high school graduates is almost null and we're, they're, they're only 11 years old. Um, in that case, that system we've been using is already broken and yet we've accepted it. And what we're proposing has to show us better results. So while we have future focus results and all these nice ideas, we still want to go back and say, we're going to try to close those gaps. We're going to have specialists who intervene. We're going to have summer programs. We're, we're not giving up on those things when we're trying something else out. In fact, we're doubling down, but we're going to do it in a way that might actually work rather than what we've accepted, which is a, an increase in the gaps between those doing well and poorly. And you've mm -hmm. seen this pandemic show us that the most vulnerable are actually could be predicted by the density of the population, where they work in a meatpacking plant, or you know whether they work in an aged care facility and um, have the ability to free themselves up from very people-intensive jobs. The wealthy tend to live far away from other people, up high or you know in the in the bush, and they can go off to their summer retreat for this uh, pandemic and kind of do their podcast from who knows where. Mm -hmm. um, so in that sense, I think where we have to do is also push back. One thing we also do, there's a little bit of bravery here, but in any meeting where you're with your bosses, and I'll call them that, but you know what I mean, for leading up it's to someone else, you've got to be able to behave yourself. And I try to uphold a two free spins mentality. Um, and so in some several game shows that come out of the 70s, 80s, 90s, maybe more recently, they'd spin a wheel. And sometimes you got a place in the wheel where you got a free spin. You could save in case all went wrong later on. Whatever you say, make it important, but don't say too much. So where does your line in the sand? And recently in a meeting that I'm going to be very vague about, a fundamental principle was equity was on the table. And I thought what was going through was actually the opposite of what equity was. And I used one free spin to say, I think this is going to work, but here's an alternative. And everybody in the room agreed. And I had a second one an hour later and I used it then. I didn't overstay my welcome because if you're around a lot of other folks that when you, you want your voice to be overheard. So when it is heard, there's credibility to it. And I think for some exuberant new leaders who have so many issues, find those one or two dogs in the fight you really want to raise and save the other ones for next time. Um, and I think that two free spin is like, okay, I've already used my two free spins today and <laughs> I rarely will use a third. No, I like that. I, like, I think that's great. Um, but John, we usually leave these podcasts with kind of a call to our audience. We, we encourage them to, to you know, 
after after listening to this, we encourage them to take action or to think about something, to reflect on something, to, to actually do something. And, you know, I, your your points about, um, you know, thinking about the change that, that we recognize we need to see, um, we're not alone in this. You know, if you're a principal out there and you're saying what we're doing right now, we, we can't double down on what we're doing and hope we get better results. All we're going to do is just frustrate children and frustrate families. Um, and you have directors and superintendents out there who are thinking the exact same way, who are thinking, we want some good ideas. We want to hear from people. So if, if we think about um, our listeners and we encourage them, you know, we, we often, most of our podcasts, we've asked them to look at their staffs and do something related to their school or their staff. What about asking our listeners to look, you know, to look up and yeah. think about their directors, their superintendents, the department, and think about um, a way that they might reach out and share one of their great ideas up. I think it's a great idea, Scott. And I think one of them would be to look at the agenda of those meetings that they are forced to go to, whether it's this mode or face-to-face -face whenever they can, and see if there's anything on the agenda that actually is directly related to what they would say are the core issues they're facing, or is it coming at them as opposed to they're contributing to it and offer to the boss or the secretary of that group an agenda item for the next meeting that actually puts something on the table they need. Because too often the way agendas roll is there's old business, you know, there's, uh, <laughs> then you go through that and then you get into some new business and there's never any time. So put something on the docket that's related to the issues you're facing. If, you're, if your community's facing enormous food shortages because of the pandemic, or you've realized there's some needs of kids that they are not getting eye care or dental care and you have some ideas that also affect dramatically their literacy and numeracy and their overall performance as humans. It's just, if there's something that's come up that doesn't look like it's getting airtime, propose it. The only problem is you gotta be wary of this. You're gonna probably have to prepare a document for that meeting or a 10 slide PowerPoint. Um, and you're also probably gonna lead a task force at the end of it that's designed to fix it. So be careful what you're volunteering to do but I think the best change happens is when people propose it, don't wait for it, go for it. And you'll get the respect if it's done as professionally as I'm sure everyone listening to this podcast would do. Um, don't wait for others to think of your great idea, share it with them. And uh, if you needed to prepare your boss because it's controversial to make sure they understand what your perspective is so they don't feel blindsided if, if there's multiple other people in the room. So I would look at the agenda, propose an agenda item, um, Try to get a quick win out of that that gives you the credibility and, and, and then you'll feel like the worthwhile time you're spending in all that managing and leading up is, is actually getting some change in them to listen. It also might buy them leaving you alone on some other things so you can do it your way as opposed to the highway. So um, that may not be the best task. Anybody's willing to change it or ignore it completely because it's, it's, you know, it's, it's their disk space they're wasting on their podcast right now anyway. So. Well, yeah, I think it's a wonderful idea. And, but you know what, you're right. As with all of this, it's, it, we always enjoy hearing back from listeners about what they did do. So, it'd be, you know, love to hear feedback in terms of actions you may have taken as it relates to, to managing or leading upwards. Yeah, and I think, you know, Scott, that everyone who's going through this around the world is about done with it. And to give people grace and a little bit of extra leeway uh, in their interactions. So if you're wondering why change isn't happening as quickly, as it might, well, we're in a global pandemic. If you're wondering why one of your bosses isn't as responsive, they could themselves be struggling through this thing. 
So your ideas will be more than welcome, but I think the way you present it will probably be the key to getting to the other side. And the stronger people are in the wrong way and the more adamant they are, it's probably just going to push buttons to people who are just tired of the fact that this thing has happened. And there's a long time ahead because, as you know, we're probably at the end of the beginning of this, not uh, at the end of the process of dealing with this silly right. thing we're dealing with. Exactly. And I think we'll, we'll keep you opened up by saying you need to keep your eye on why we're here. And I think if people, as they're doing this, as they're engaging in these conversations and pushing forward these ideas, if, it, if you keep the children in the room, if you, if you make it about yeah, making totally. a difference, you, there's, there's no going wrong with that. John, I, I really enjoyed this conversation today. Yeah, thanks, Scott. It's great to be with you. And we've enjoyed all of the feedback we've gotten so far. And thank everybody for listening to episode 20 of We Will Get Through This, Transformative Leadership for Disruptive Times. And Scott Emig and John Fischetti here. Looking forward to finding you next time as we move forward. For those that are wondering, Scott, season two will be We Got Through This. Uh, so we'll be in season one a while longer. Yeah. <laughs> That's not too long. <laughs> all right. Thanks, Scott. Goodbye.